you're listening to the Ultimate Outcomes Sermon Podcast. Our goal at Ultimate Outcomes is to help Christians understand and apply God's Word more fully. Here's Richard with today's sermon. Thanks for listening. Well, good morning. Um, you know, um, a lot of us older guys, we, we worry about our heart conditions, uh, Today, we're going to be talking about heart conditions, not that old people worry about, but that young people should worry about. Uh, But let me just uh, start with this uh, question. How important is the condition of our heart? Um, uh, Is there a parallel between uh, the physical condition of our physical hearts and and, uh, our physical health with our spiritual health and the condition of our spiritual hearts? Um, Well, you know, the most important indicator of physical health is the condition of a man or woman's heart. A heart disease is the number one killer. And um, uh, here's a picture of a guy uh, having a heart attack. And what's actually happening in him as he's experiencing uh, this life-threatening event is a blockage in uh, one of the veins or arteries that's in his heart. And uh, when you see that blockage, it blocks uh, the blood flow. And when, when the blood flow is blocked, two things happen. Uh, when, when our blood is circulating through our bodies, uh, it, it is doing two major things. It is, well, it's doing a lot of things, but it's doing two major things. It's taking life-giving oxygen to every single cell in our body, and it is removing from every single cell in our body life-threatening toxins uh, that are getting cleansed out of us. So it's bringing uh, refreshment, and it's cleaning up, cleaning, refreshing, and cleaning, cleaning and refreshing every second in every cell. And so what happens in a heart condition is that the, the uh, blood gets blocked and the, the, the tissue in the heart gets damaged because it's not getting enough oxygen and it's not getting enough toxins removed. And uh, it ends up uh, being a life-threatening condition. Spiritual uh, health is parallel to that. Uh, our heart is, um, our spiritual heart in terms of um, what we describe here in terms of our spiritual heart, we're describing the seat of our personality, uh, what we like and what we don't like, what we want and what we don't want, what we believe and what we don't believe. And um, if we have a heart condition, uh, if our spiritual heart is not healthy, uh, we're going to want what we ought not to want. We're going to believe in what we ought not to believe. And we're going to desire what we ought not to desire. And there's a threat. There's a a threat and the toxins build up and there's a lack of oxygen going to our spiritual heart and we end up with a heart condition and our spiritual well-being is threatened. Just as a healthy heart is the key to our physical health, a healthy heart is also the key to our spiritual well-being. Our spiritual heart needs to have a continual flow of life-giving oxygen and a continual removal of death-reducing, death-inducing toxins. Today, as we continue in our series, Important Questions, we're going to be looking at an important question that was asked by a psalm, the psalmist in, in Psalm 119.9. And this is the question that he asks in this psalm is, how, how, how can a young man keep his way pure? How can a young man keep his way pure? Now, this is a, an important question for all people. How can we keep our heart in a good condition? How can we remain spiritually uh, pure and, and have uh, a heart that does not have 
a lot of toxicity in it? How can we be pure? But it's a particularly important question for young people. Um, For us older guys, we worry about the physical condition of our physical hearts. But really, uh, this is kind of reversed when it comes to the spiritual condition. And let me explain it to you this way. If my spiritual heart uh, atrophies now as an older guy, uh, I've lived most of my life already. Uh, I can't go back and affect my uh, 40s and 30s and 20s with the, the decisions I make today because I've already lived those years. But younger men and women here this morning, uh, what the condition of your heart is and the decisions that you make will affect a lot lot larger percentage of your life than the decisions I continue to make in my life today. We all need a pure heart. We all need to have the base of our decisions and our actions being uh, clean. But uh, it's especially important, the younger you are, that your heart is clean because all of your decisions that you make today will affect uh, life that I've already lived. And as us older guys have already passed by. Um, So we ask this question for all of us, but we particularly ask it for the young people here this morning, which is the way the question is phrased um, in in, uh, the scripture we'll be looking at in Psalm 119. Uh, Young people still, you have the ability to affect all of the days in front of you. Uh, I can't go back and undo the past, and I am grateful for the decisions I made when I was young. Uh, I sometimes reflect with my wife, what would it have been like if I hadn't come to Christ uh, when I was 23 years old? Was it 23 years? Somewhere in there. Uh, My life would have been radically worse. Uh, Not that my heart has always been pure and that I've always made right decisions, but I made a lot of good decisions as a result of that one decision to give my life to Jesus that I wouldn't have made otherwise. Um, uh, it's in, th- this is a critical issue, and let me try to frame how critical it is for our hearts to be pure with uh, Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs 4, 18 through 27 says this, The path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, shining ever brighter till the first light of day. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. Uh, for uh, they are life to those who find them and health to a man's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. Put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make make level paths for your feet uh, and take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. Look at at verse 23 again. Uh, Going back to verse 23. Above all else, guard your hearts, for it is the wellspring of life. Think about what that's saying. That your heart, what does it mean that your heart is the wellspring of your life? All that you do and all that you experience has its, uh, its headwaters in your heart. It has its origins in the nature of your heart. Our lives flow out of the condition of our heart. Uh, a good life flows out of a good heart and a bad life flows out of a corrupt heart. Why do we fill our hearts uh, with what defiles us? 
Why do we fill our hearts with hostility and resentment and lust and envy and jealousy and arrogance and greed and anger and vengeance and selfish desires, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? Why do we put in our hearts? Why do we open our hearts to those things that defile us and ruin our lives? Well, the reason why we do is because we want to. And that's really the mystery of the fallen nature of man. Why do we want to pollute our own hearts? Why do we want to have in our hearts what ruin us? If uh, our hearts are the wellspring of our lives, why, why are we open to polluting our hearts? Uh, if the condition of our hearts is equal to the condition of our lives, could there be a more important question than this question we're going to be looking at today, the question of how do we keep our hearts pure? How can we keep our hearts free from thoughts, ideas, and beliefs that leave us in spiritual discontentment, that dissatisfy us and that disillusion us and harm us? How can we keep out of our hearts those things that are ruinous to us? Uh, that's what we're going to be looking at today as we look at today's a message entitled, A Healthy Heart. And we'll be looking at Psalm 119, verses 9 through 11. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we look at your word this morning and as we're challenged with this question, how can a young man keep his ways pure? Father, we pray, Father, uh, for all of us here this morning that we can see that the remainder of our days and how we experience life will have uh, as much to do with the condition of our heart as anything else. And Lord, I, I pray, Father, that we could see that uh, the best way we could invest into our future is to guard our hearts today, to guard what goes into our hearts, because whatever goes in will come out of our hearts, Lord. Whatever we uh, entertain, whatever beliefs we hold, whatever ideas we embrace will be the result of our future, will result in our future. Lord, we pray that you'd re bless the reading of your word this morning. We, may we be edified by it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Psalm chapter... Uh, 119, beginning at verse 9, it says this. How can a young man keep his way pure? That's our question this morning. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Now, these words are in the context of an amazing psalm. Psalm 119 is a huge uh, psalm. It's the longest psalm of any psalms. It's uh, 70, 176 verses long, and it's an amazing pattern. It's an amazing pattern because uh, it starts out, the first eight verses of Psalm 119 all start, every uh, verse of the first eight verses all start with the first letter in the Hebrew alphabet. And then it goes to the next eight verses, and the next eight verses all start with the second letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And the third eight verses all start with the third letter of the Hebrew alphabet, all the way through the whole Hebrew alphabet until you get to 176 verses. Uh, pretty amazing when you think about the, uh, the, the structural beauty of this psalm. And the other, the other thing that's so amazing about this psalm is it has one topic. It somehow goes on for 176 verses, looking at one single topic without repeating itself. It keeps looking at one idea throughout the psalm, and, uh, and it does it uh, without um, being repetitive. 
um, it's kind of like this. The Psalm 119 is uh, like looking at a diamond from 176 different angles. It's like taking the same object and slowly rotating it and seeing the beautiful colors of the diamond from all these different angles. And the topic that Psalm, Psalm 119 is looking at is the word of God, the commands of God, the edicts of God, the truth about God, and how wonderful they are and how much blessing comes out of incorporating God's truth into our hearts and into our lives and how much we are uh, benefited by his law, his, his, his truth, his goodness, his edicts, his decrees, and so forth. And uh, we're going to be uh, just considering that as we ask this question, how can a man, young man, keep his way pure? The theme this morning is this, a good life flows out of a good heart. A good life flows out of a good heart. Let's take a look at verses 9 and 10 again. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart and do not let, do not let me stray from your commands. Why is the psalmist so concerned with how he can possibly keep his uh, heart pure? Um, the psalmist in all these 176 verses gives uh, many benefits to an unspoiled heart, to a heart whose attitude is submissive to God, who, who recognizes God is smarter than he is and lives according to his will. Uh, here's just a partial list of some of the benefits that the psalmist sees in having a pure heart. He sees that in a pure heart, he gains the love and acceptance of God. He sees that in a pure heart, he gains freedom. Uh, there, there is freedom, and, and the way true freedom exists is being not, not doing whatever you want whenever you want, but having the ability to do what is right and live in accordance with uh, what is profitable. Uh, then he sees there's comfort and peace of mind in, in a good and pure heart. He sees that there's protection and provision in having a good heart. He sees that there's mercy and salvation. He sees that there's deep joy and pleasure in life as a result of having a pure heart. He sees that there, there is the blessing of wisdom and understanding, knowing how things work. All these things and other benefits the psalmist sees in these 176 verses as a result of having a, a clean heart. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, if it is true that, that all these benefits uh, are a result of a clean heart, isn't it true that these benefits are things that every man wants? Isn't it true that one thing that all men have in common is they want acceptance, freedom, comfort, protection, provision, uh, mercy, pleasure, wisdom? Uh, these are things that everybody desires and seeks after, whether they seek after it uh, correctly or incorrectly. Um, you know, when you want to uh, ask the question, uh, isn't it true that we all want to gain these things? One of the ways of looking at it is by looking at the opposite of these um, benefits and see that no one wants the opposite of these benefits. The opposite of these benefits are God's disfavor, captivity, discomfort and ang anxious mind, vulnerable, impoverished, merciless despair, displeasure and folly. Um, these are all things that are caused by an impure heart. How much better would the world be if men were pure in heart? How much better would our existence be if all of us had a pure heart? 
Let me try to demonstrate the benefits of a pure heart this way. Uh, imagine you had a world where, where that world only needed nine commandments because one of the Ten Commandments, everyone always obeyed all of the time. Imagine how much different a world would be, a nine commandment world would be, over a Ten Commandment world. You could choose any of the Ten Commandments, but let's say, let's choose one of the Ten Commandments. Let's say the world doesn't need the commandment, thou shalt not steal, because no one wants to steal. Everyone, no one has it in their heart to steal, and so no one goes out stealing. And let's imagine what would a world be like if we had a nine commandment world where we could drop the thou shalt not steal commandment. What would it be like if no one desired to take what belongs to another? Wouldn't we then have a world where there was no armed robbery? We'd have a world where there was no burglary. We'd have a world where there was no petty theft. We'd have a world where there was no theft of persons, kidnapping or slavery or other types of exploitation of the poor when, when somebody takes somebody else's person. We'd have a world where no one would steal somebody else's reputation through slander. We'd have a world where there'd be no embezzling. Uh, we'd have a world, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, where everything that belonged to a person was safe in their own possession. Now, what would happen in that kind of world where we, where we just uh, eliminated one of the Ten Commandments because it wasn't necessary? Think about the amount of uh, pain and fear and suffering that would be eliminated if we just eliminated, if we could just eliminate one of the Ten Commandments. Think about the increase in harmony and cooperation and trust that would be in this world as a result of uh, being able to eliminate the commandment, thou shalt not steal, because every, no one had it in their hearts to steal. Now, if removing one of the Ten Commandments uh, was uh, possible because it wouldn't be necessary, because among men there wouldn't be that desire, think about what a world would be like if you could remove all of the Ten Commandments. If no one had to be told uh, what to do in terms of moral behavior because everyone's heart was pure and would want to do what was right. Isn't it obvious that how much good would come out of the goodness of the human condition if the human heart was pure? Is the evil we think is good really good? We let things come into our hearts because we want to. We're the gatekeepers of our hearts. And so when evil enters into our hearts, it enters in because we embrace it. Uh, we embrace destructive thoughts as though they're our friends. Sexual thoughts, sexual impurity that relate to uh, desires outside of our own husbands or wives. Angry thoughts, greedy thoughts, arrogant thoughts ungrateful thoughts, self-pitying thoughts, we all embrace these thought, thoughts as though they're our friend. They are not our friends. They are our enemies, and they're intent on being on a destructive rampage, destroying us. They are heart disease, and heart disease is the number one killer, both physically and spiritually. Again, the theme this morning is a good life flows out of a good heart. And point number one is living by God's truth purifies man's heart. How can a young man keep his way pure? Uh, how can a young man keep his way pure? Verses 9 and 10, living by God's truth purifies man's heart. How can a young man keep his way pure? 
uh, verse 9, by living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. What is living by God's truth? Living by God's truth is simply like anything else that we get good at. It's learning and applying principles. It's learning what uh, works, uh, what, what is right, and applying them. Uh, if you want to become good at anything, it involves learning and applying. Um, it, all of life is a matter of training yourself to apply certain principles. Um, think about this. Uh, this is a young baseball player, and if, if we would say this young guy is a good fielder, uh, how many grounders would he have to field before you would say he is a good fielder? Some of the coaches out there got any ideas? Thousands probably, right? One. Oh, you think you're, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> you know, what is the chance of having him sit in a classroom and tell him about fielding for, say, a thousand hours and have him go out and do a good job fielding the first ball that gets hit to him? He has to have both the principles taught to him and the practice and putting those principles in, into practice uh, by applying over and over again the principles that he's taught. A good heart is learning and applying over and over again. Uh, the, what God teaches us is right, good, true, and beautiful. Uh, what is more essential to a good life? It is, is it more essential to a good life to be good vocationally or good spiritually? Uh, can a person who has applied vocational training and acquired a good vocation like a doctor or an athlete or an engineer, uh, is he in a superior condition than a person who uh, has a good heart? Does the average person put more importance on vocational training or spiritual training? Parents, what is more important for your kid's future, skill development or character development? Again, a good life flows out of a good heart. And point number one is living by God's truth purifies men's hearts. Men, man's heart. And point number two is we need God's help to purify our heart. This is an amazing psalm because the psalmist goes on for 175 verses in the same vein on the same topic uh, magnifying the benefits of learning and applying God's word. But then there is this one last verse that is so telling. The last verse of Psalm 119 goes like this. I have strayed. I have strayed. I have strayed like a lost sheep. Then it has a request. Seek your servant for I have not forgotten your commands. This is an amazing verse. After extolling the virtue of God's truth, for all these verses, the psalmist says, though I pro promote the benefits and the virtue of God's word and his law and his statutes, I confess, he says, I confess my personal failure and I cry out for your help. He says, I have strayed. And he likens his straying to that of a lost sheep. When a sheep strays from the flock, he leaves the flock by its own volition, thinking that he can find a better place than where his shepherd is taking him.
He can leave the flock by his own volition, but he can't go back to the flock by his own volition. He's lost. No, notice uh, what, uh, what, what the psalmist says. He says, like a sheep, I have strayed. And then he asks, shepherd, come find me. Come find me, shepherd. I ask you, come find me. I have strayed like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, he asks the, the shepherd. He, he, he got lost all on his own, but he needs help to be found. When we think that we can lead our lives into greener pastures apart from God's will, we find ourselves caught in a pastor of a dependence on drugs and alcohol, a pastor of fantasy and delusion, a pastor of power or will or struggle, a pastor of despair, et cetera, et cetera. We find ourselves in places that aren't good. When we lead ourselves, we find ourselves lost, and we need the shepherd to come find us, to bring us back into his care. In Christ, the psalmist's prayer is answered. The psalmist here is praying for God to seek him and to find him. And in Christ, we have the shepherd who came seeking to save, find and save the lost sheep. He came with the promise of the new covenant. He came with this promise that no longer will the law be written outside of your heart. It will be written on your heart. He came with the promise of the sanctifying work of God's spirit to change us from the inside out that we might want to do what we ought to do, that he'll cleanse us from our sin and from our guilt, but he'll also transform us and purify our hearts by writing on our hearts uh, what is true and what is right. Uh, we no longer have to just look at the law outside of ourselves and try to obey it. We have, through the spirit of the living God in us, a, an author that is authoring a change of desire within us, a change of desire of what we value, a change of our ambition, uh, taking us out of uh, what causes destruction and authoring in our hearts what brings blessing. How can a young man keep his heart pure? By seeking the spirit of the living Christ in us. We can't, look, try as hard as you want. If you were struggling with lust this week, you're not going to change your heart. But Christ in you can change your heart. You can't, rework your own heart, but the Spirit of Christ can work in you in a way that's amazing if you just submit to him like a sheep to his shepherd. If you just say, Lord, I need you to find me. I need you to bring me back. I need you to work in me and change my heart. And that's what we are coming before the communion table to ask the Lord today. We're to ask, asking the Lord through the power of your broken body and your shed blood, may we experience renewal this week. May we experience a portion of your spirit changing us from the inside out. And um, so let me ask the ushers to come forward as I conclude this morning. Again, a good life flows out of a good heart. And point number one is living by God's truth purifies man's heart. And point number two is uh, we need God's help to purify our heart. That's what we're asking for here in communion this morning. We need God's help to purify our hearts. Let me conclude by reading Matthew chapter 12, uh, verses 33 through 37. 
make a tree good. That's what we want. Make a tree good. We want Christ to make our tree good. And its fruit will be good. Make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You, bu- you brood of vipers. How can you who are evil say anything good? For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man brings good things out of the good stored in him. And the evil man brings evil out of the evil stored in him. But I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted and by your words you'll be condemned. These are the words I'd like to uh, have us say this morning. Jesus, forgive us. We need your help, O Shepherd. We need your help to uh, work in us and work through us. And we recognize, Father, that you have forgiven us through the broken body of Jesus Christ. And our hope is not in ourselves, but in you. Hey friends, thanks for listening to the Ultimate Outcomes Sermon Podcast. Ultimate Outcomes is a nonprofit organization founded on the biblical principle that knowing and applying God's truth makes a difference in the quality and destiny of our lives. It is our prayer that this podcast and its resources bless you and your churches as much as it has blessed all of us who have learned from the biblical teachings of Richard Elwell. Thanks for listening. For more resources, visit www.ultimateoutcomes.org.